I have a, I have a steer, steak marinating for my birthday, so that's what I'm nice. grilling nice. after Dang this. Dang you pressed the button before I could load the picture. Speaking Ooh. of, happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Papa Joe. Happy birthday to you. I'm letting him sing because, you know, if I sang, everybody would like to <laughs> Happy birthday, Joe. <laughs> Happy birthday, Joe. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. Old, but good. Old. You you don't look a day over 45. Oh, thank you. Aw. <laughs> I'm a couple of years over 45. But <laughs> you say, I'm not going to. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Because I'm probably the oldest one on this call. <laughs> <laughs> but you look so young, and look at that fancy shirt! Holy smokes, that yeah. shirt's actually a little revealing. Whoa! Well, you know, it's it's not as bad as what I did, and I'm not going to share the picture with you guys because it's a little extreme, even for me. I ordered a teal, tiny man thong to wear to a hot tub party we got invited to um as you know a funny gag thing only it came in it was it was made in china and it was the the largest size only the largest size apparently for this company is quite a bit smaller than, than my waist size so i'm trying to get this on and heather's like it's not supposed to be cutting off your circulation <laughs> i don't think that's gonna work we need pictures. I, I demand pictures. <laughs> oh, I've got a I've got a great picture on my phone, but I don't know if I'm gonna send you that one. <laughs> uh, maybe to Joe for his for his birthday. <laughs> wow. Yes, as you're singing happy birthday, Mr. Godfather. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I, I should have done it that uh happy birthday, Mr. President style. Well, and then I this is this is my a birthday cake uh, for Joe that I'm going to eat for him. A little homemade cinnamon roll. I'll, I'll be good. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and um, psychosomatically feel it. How about that? There, there you go. go. There I like go. it. I like it. And I do apologize, everyone, for the the weird color on my screen today. I was I was telling these guys that my my monitor blew up yesterday, so I'm using an iPad and I don't know how to adjust the color on an iPad. So and I changed my coloring just a little bit so he would feel better. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. Aw, Rebecca. Well it's kind of nice that even on here I can I can still see the, the comments and everything. So that's nice. Good. Rebecca, we already sang you missed it. She yeah. missed it. Yeah well Jay sang. Sang beautifully that's, that's by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Did everybody watch the season finale of The Mandalorian yet? I did. You did? Joe, you didn't? Damn it. No, can't talk about it. no spoilers. Oh, no spoilers. No spoilers. It's way too soon for spoilers. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I had to quick watch it because I was like, no, somebody's going to F this up for me. And... <laughs> it was very entertaining. And they hit the note I think they wanted to very well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still scarred from the season finality of, of Supernatural. <laughs> I never got into that series. That's yeah. What you've never never watched it, Katie, or you just couldn't get into it? I never it? got into it. I tried. 
And and then people said, oh, don't worry about the first season. Start on the second season. I was like, okay. I started the second season. I just, I couldn't click with it. I I tried to, and I'm like, man, you need more than two attractive, (laughs) snarky guys to make a show actually a show. It just didn't work for me. Ah. Um. (laughs) It's got such a huge following, too. Like, I I should have liked it. I should have. I just, I don't know why I didn't click with it. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the old, old timers who used to like Kojak <laughs> and Night Stalker. So this was, you know, very much reminiscent of that in the beginning. <laughs> I loved Night Stalker. Night Stalker was awesome. Yes. <laughs> so it, it clicked with me. Plus, See, and I, they are nice to look at. They are very nice to look at, yes. Yeah. And and I used to love shows like um, the, the Dresden Files did a, a show back in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, Forever Night, the old, old police procedural vampire show. Absolutely loved that one. Which one um, was that? Which what? Which one was that? Forever Night. Okay, I never saw that one. <laughs> that's, that's old, old, old. I loved those. They're cheesy as hell, but I loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I should have liked those that show. I don't know why I didn't. Were you an Angel fan? You know, I liked Buffy, and I watched Angel, but I didn't like it as much as Buffy. Hmm. Hmm. Buffy kind of jumped the shark for me about halfway through the season. Oh, I know, it's Forever Night. Yes! <laughs> Sorry, Buffy jumped the shark for you. Yeah, about halfway through. Uh, I mean... You, you know, I, I think spoilers are okay at this point, right? Everybody's yeah. um, But when she dies and comes back, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm done. It's just stupid. It's just so stupid. You know, I mean, after that, after that, I was like, whatever, you know? Well, you know what, you know what one I really liked? Uh, Heather and I really liked Bones. That one with, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, and that was, it was just kind of a, a fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a really cool show. And, it went on for a lot of seasons, and after a while, I, I start to lose interest in those. But what I love the most about it is there was always a sense of adventure, and there was always some kind of science. And those yeah. are like the two things that I, I really love seeing in it. The, the the problem with those shows for me is very similar to Castle in that you had this love dynamic that was like this sexual tension that didn't that never you know came into fruition, and then. And because you knew that's where it was headed, and then once it got there, again the same thing with Buffy. You know, once it got there and they were in relationships and stuff like that, I, I was done. It's not even yeah. worth it to me anymore because well, I thought that was the best dynamic of the whole shows was that yeah. idea. Yep. But then when they're all go- girlfriend and boyfriend and they're all yeah. you know lovey dovey, I'm like, meh. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't it, have the same edge. It, it takes. Well, and, and the funny thing is that so good, everybody died. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's just you know the 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 romantic and antagonistic relationship between you know Booth and Bones really was the that was the show that was the the yeah. show's conflict. You know, it was the murder mysteries were just stuff that was thrown in there. So yeah, once yeah. you took away the main conflict, it's like oh well. Okay, that's done. Kind of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You and I have talked about this. You know, it's definitely my favorite, you know, just chill out and relax show. But yeah, you know, once Jake and Amy are getting married and then it's like, oh, crap. Now they're going to have a kids. This is going to be like friends and Jesus. 
you know, I'm just I'm just over it. Like, nope, nope. I like those first few seasons when there's still all the the fun tension between people. I was I just watched earlier today. I think it is it the very first episode. I'm not even sure. It's one of the very first ones. The opening scene where he has the lineup sing uh, the Backstreet Boys. I think that's the very first episode. Is it not? I don't know if it's the first episode. It's early on in the series, but yeah, I, I saw that video today too. It was fantastic. It was so good. Oh, by the way, oh, there's a murder to solve. Oh, yeah, there's that's, that. right. that's the one that murdered my brother. Oh my god. Oh, good. Yeah, good that, that show. He has great comedic timing, so it's very. <laughs> yeah, he, he really does. Cool. Did you did you watch? Um, gosh, what was the movie that came out? Um, earlier this year that, that he did i uh, haven't Paul. seen that no i know what you're talking about but i hadn't seen that yeah it's, it's on Harry, was something very similar in that respect to me his character is always his character yeah um, i mean i have a tough time not seeing him as that but it was actually really enjoyable i think it was palm springs or something like that but yeah I, like you that. know if you like comedies it, it's it's a it's a good that one. was that groundhog day style movie Yes, yeah. you got it. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, for me, for me, him, him, and Justin Timberlake doing "Dick in a Box," and then the, yeah. the subsequent ones after that. Those are those are always my favorite things. Yeah. That he's done. yeah, and that's the thing about JT. I mean, he's really freaking funny. Yeah, he's a funny dude. He was perfect for that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, he's a mega star, but he's he's pretty cool. Gosh, you know, I, and I just started. Uh, oh my! So my librarian friend. Abby, uh, who, who Katie knows. Uh, Abby is a sweetheart. Love her. She wants to start a podcast. She, but but it, it's kind of like a book club podcast where, um, you know, the host would read would read a book and then they they chat about the book. Just a little half hour show. Which sounds fun and cute. But she wants to, me to do it with her. Um, mm. Which is nice because I, I love Abby and obviously I have experience doing podcasts. It's like, man, it's there's so much work at the same time. And these, the reading podcasts are tons of work. He's got to read all these books. But uh, but so um, she wants to to do uh, Mexican Gothic, which was one of the uh, top books of the of the year. Um, and so I just started reading that a day or two ago, and already it's 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 excellent, and and it's so different from most fiction that that i read because i i do read a lot of action actiony thriller adventure type stuff and mm-hmm. and typically in those books the focus is is more on on the plot and less on creating beautiful words um in this book definitely you can you can tell i mean it's like you're sliding into a different era reading it but, uh, so it's kind of fun so i think it, it might be a cool adventure but i am letting abby take as much of the lead on doing the work for this as possible so that she can see that it is a lot of work. Maybe she doesn't want to do it. Maybe she does. We'll, we'll find out. But, uh, it so it really maybe... depends on your reading speed, whether or not you can do a lot of them and, and with regularity, because that's the key when doing any kind of like podcast or show is, is having regularity so that your viewers, your listeners all know when to expect that next episode. Yeah. Well, and that's why I stopped doing the Raven is I I couldn't do it with any regularity. I couldn't do it in a timely manner. I was like, oh, it's just not going to work. And it's a bummer because it was it was actually getting a decent following on uh, on you know on uh, Apple Podcasts and stuff. So, 
Yeah, I did. I did. I did a show very similar called Fandom Forum, and you know, imagine trying to get one person to read the book myself, but then to get four other people to read it. You know, and so that just became. I, I, I try to find, you know, I, I'm really hopeful that the authors would have helped me out and tried to find some people. But but apparently one of the things that indies lack is an awareness that they have fans. <laughs> so I, I ended up doing all the work and finding mm -hmm. most. I mean, there's been a couple where they found it for me, which I appreciated. But I ended up, you know, either getting people who I know would read it really fast and get involved or somebody that I know has already read it and, and then getting them to be on camera. And it was, it, it's that show was, is a ton of work. And then I have to read the book or I, I got to the point where like I was doing series series. And so I just asked the author if they, if they had cliff notes or if they had like a Bible or something that I could just go through and, and figure out what the, and then I, then I asked them what questions they wanted me to ask. And so, I mean, I figured it out, but uh, I can't imagine reading weekly and then talking about it. You know, that, that to me, I would, I would probably feel over. Well, yeah. think about the, who's it? Jim Christina is that LA talk radio. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the actual name, but writers, writers block. Yeah. Writer's block. Yes. Writer's block. And that's that's a weekly show, isn't it? And they yeah. They they both you know read the whole book every week. Holy crap. I mean, you're dedicating a lot of your time. Well, a lot of the a lot of their shows though sometimes doesn't involve the book. They they do they do like they do authory shows too where they talk about mm -hmm. author stuff. So, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, cause some of these books, man, 600, 700 pages and, 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 and like, especially the kind of crowd that he's garnering with the fantasy elements and, oh man, I would die. I would just keel over, you know, cause some of these books, they just, you could tell they're, they're first time authors or they're, 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 they're into like, super high fantasy or super you know the sci-fi ones you know with the with with all of the jargon and oh man i it would just i would just yeah I, you would see me in a corner you know in the and field that's, position. that's what that's what stumped me too that was kind of the the uh the, the straw that broke the camel's back for, for the raven was that uh, you know because i i had a contract to do you know one one show a week and uh, I was given a manuscript for a book. Um, I won't say what it is or who it was by, uh, but it was high fantasy. And I know it was a first time author and it was very, it was very problematic. Yeah. And, and it was like 150,000 words. I was like, it's not gonna happen. It's yeah, not gonna happen. One hundred and fifty thousand is a lot to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you gotta you gotta put your foot down somewhere. Yeah, you know, Re Rebecca Rebecca has a good point. Or she, what she just said, having fans and having fans who've read your book is totally different. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it can you know, be. Yeah, 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 it is. And, well, and you, if you, you are, know, it'd be nice to be both, but <laughs> you know, if you're looking for a template on on who does great shows and how to run them. Let me tell you about our first sponsor over here because he's the man who's been doing it for quite a while and he knows how to run some shows. So let's hear from him. 
Hello, everybody. I am Joe Compton, and welcome to our channel, Go Indie Now. This is the place that celebrates indie artists and indie art. And we do so by producing several shows that either air on daily, weekly, monthly, or seasonal scheduling. And within those shows, we aim to educate and entertain you. If you're, if you're an indie artist who's trying to figure out how to do this, this is the place you need to be. If you're an indie artist who's looking to promote and doesn't have any avenues and, and is tired of the grind, this is the place to be. Because remember, it's always time to go indie now. Like I said, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I have my moments. You've been Joe doing going a... now for a very long time. Yeah, not that long, but yeah, it's been it's been a few. It's been uh, it'll be four years in March. So, and and how has has your experience with it changed from year to year? Well, dramatically, because I mean, from the very first, I started with one show. Alexa, I was doing one show. Turn off. I was doing, <laughs> I was doing one show a month, and uh, and then. I got the bug to do more shows and do more interviews and things of that nature. And then from there, it kind of just was like, okay, so I've, I've put my foot down into this hole. I'm going to leap into this one. And, and so I just keep doing that and doing that more and more. And so, yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been a, a error, right? What's that? And every time, every time you've done a show, you've learned how better to do that show for the next season, or whether that show is worth doing or not. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, I've learned a lot about analytics. I've learned a lot about um, broadcasting. I've learned a lot about interviewing. I've, you know, I I watch as much as I do as well. So, you know, it's all about doing that as well. I mean, that's part of the reason why I gravitated towards this show. So tremendously is it's been pretty, you know, it's been a staple in my rotation since, since I heard about it for the first time. Um, what three years ago now, maybe two or three years ago that we've known each other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, in a hole, Rebecca. That's where I put my foot. In a hole. Um, anyway, oh. <laughs> he wiped himself off. Hi, Jay. <laughs> that's okay. He's, but he's I, I think... yeah, I'm trying to get people to close the door here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. All right, go ahead, Joe. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, you can. Uh, yeah, I, so yeah, I I do think I've learned a lot, and I and yeah, it's uh, it's been an experience. I'm not telling you what hole. You just have to. You just have to use your imagination. <laughs> oh, that's dangerous. Asking Jonesy to use her imagination. I don't know that I. I thought even I would do that. <laughs> For our audience who's, who's listening on podcast, Joe is responding to, to some very interesting comments from Rebecca Jonesy. Yeah. She asked oh, me where I put my foot and then what hole I put it in. 
Now, of the shows that you do, what mm -hmm. is your absolute favorite one to to produce each week? Oh, uh, that's like that's like asking me what what my favorite child is. I mean, uh, do you have kids? No, I don't. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's the that's the same as it's the same idea, right? But um. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like them. I like them for different. I like them all for different reasons. Um, I, I think probably the one that I've enjoyed doing for as long as I've done it is this week in Indies. But, um, and I like that I changed it to live because that just made a, a world of difference for me. But, um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't. I like. I like them all for different reasons, and some of them I've loathed at times, and some of them I've downright just been like, "Why do I do this?" You know. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. some of them I'm like, "This is why I do this." Just, you know. And it all depends on a lot of its factoring, right? You know, guests, the guests you have, the the topics you're talking about, you know, all of that thing. All that matters. So, you know, that makes now, it coming from a film background as you do. A lot of your shows are are more highly produced. You go mm -hmm. in and you do all the editing. You add a lot of like the, the effects and stuff. Do you enjoy doing those shows more than the live shows, or do you enjoy the simplicity of just the live show where you can kind of hands off and it is what it is? I like the live show for that for that exact reason you just mentioned. Um, I do I do enjoy. You know, it's funny. I have said this before, but. Um, when I was a filmmaker, the thing I hated, uh, the thing I disliked the most, the thing that really just drove me nuts was sitting in the editing room, watching them upload the feet, upload all of the footage that we caught and then taking it and then rendering it and then cutting it and just doing the little slicing cuts that, you know, taking off like a second of, of, of a dead air or something to that effect, or you're messing around with the audio and, all that stuff bored the hell out of me. I was so like, like, can we just get to like making this movie? I mean, and so I really loathed all that. But when I uh, started doing it myself, I started to realize how not only how important that was, but how much I wouldn't say fun, but how much how exciting it was to do that because then you kind of get this skill set that you'd never had before. And, and I, th I think I'm a pretty good editor. So um, I've learned to do that pretty well. And so I've enjoyed that aspect of it. And I, I, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see me in an editing room from when I do my next film, uh, how I respond to watching somebody else do it, because now I know how to do it. I might be like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't, you know. So I might be even more annoying to my editor than I was before when I didn't know anything. So. Yeah. See, I, I went to school for communications, radio, and television production. So I have that long ago. <laughs> But yeah, you know that that okay. Now now you have to let somebody else do it. You're like, no, yeah. <laughs> do this, do that. Step back, step back. Yeah, I I've been I've I've been told to go on a walk, and if if I go on a long walk for an hour and a half, that wouldn't be a bad thing. That's actually something that's been said to me in an editing room before. So yeah, I know exactly how that that goes. So, but um, it's. 
it, yeah, it's so it's so tedious and so exact and meticulous and and it, it takes a lot to do all that. So yes, it does. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we switched from being a more produced show to being a live show as well because I don't have very good editing skills, and Jay was was basically doing all of the editing after a while because I just couldn't do it. And uh, our original show creator, he didn't have the time to do it either. And so it was just, if we want regularity and we want to get our shows done each week so that our audience again knows when to find us, it needed to be live. And the, the initial worry for us was that authors might be concerned with going live on air because they're already shy as it is. Right. But we really haven't found too much problem with it. The, the guests that come on, even the ones who are nervous, they loosen up during our, our green room time before the show starts. And usually when, when the little red button that says live goes off, they're still okay. And, yeah. and we haven't had too many issues well, with it. It's part of the job. You know, either yeah. you're on live shows or you're live reading in front of people, which that part scares the crap out of me. I hate, <laughs> I hate scripted stuff, you know, coming on and just being like, this is, is, you know, I have yet to freeze, knock on wood, but I you was, know, yeah. I've frozen on, on camera before, so it's not fun. <laughs> I was concerned. I was concerned in doing a scheduled show live, especially at the time that I do it for for my Sunday show. I was concerned about that, and there has been some pushback a little bit on that. But and some people can't do it because of the time that I've chosen. But um, I, for the most part, I was surprised at how embracing people were about it. So yeah, it's 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 been great for that. So um, and then you know we we we're building audiences too. So audiences have come across and, and, and taken the time to be there. So that's pretty cool too. So, um, but I don't, uh, people, people may ask me and they've asked me this before, but how do I choose what time I go on? And, and, and it's not willy nilly. I've done my research. So right. that's why, yeah. Yeah, I've noticed with your shows, you focus a lot on making sure that it can be available across the board. So you're looking at the Eastern time zone as well as the Pacific to try and balance your times, which for some of us in Pacific kind of sucks, 9 a.m. <coughs> but for the most part, there are times when it's really widely accessible. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know Jay's having technical difficulties, so. Poor Jay. <laughs> I had everybody on mute for a while, too, because because the people were coming in and out of the kitchen, so. And there, there's the beauty of the live show, too. It, yep. You get to see everything warts and all. And a lot of times that, that lets the personality of the person show through. Yeah. And even if they trip over their words, like I do all the time. It, it just becomes one of their funny little quirks. It's not a, a thing that's really embarrassing at that point. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's who they are. I think yeah. they do. Oh, I'm sorry, Kay. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I get tongue tied more often than not and forget words and like, oh, my God, what was I saying? <laughs> it's the age thing. <laughs> so. No, no, no. You have used so many words in all your books that sometimes it's hard to recall the right ones. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I think the biggest misconception about a live show, though, is that if you don't catch it live, you'll you'll never 
it's not worth it to catch it. And I think that's so wrong. Right. I, I, you know, I, I stopped doing the event calendar thing because people kept commenting, Oh, well, I'm, I'm busy during this time or during that time, you know? And it's just like, well, you do know that it's on the internet, so you can watch it anytime. You don't have to be there live, you know. It's not like I, I it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. And a lot of us are, are people who listen to podcasts or who have something on while we're working. And these types of shows are excellent for it because yeah. you can be listening while you're working and still get all the information, still catch up on it. And for me, I love it when I can do a playlist and I can just have a bunch of shows on because I'll be sitting at the computer, either editing or writing or doing whatever. And I can have those running while I'm working and I can get through all of them and catch up. That being said, nobody who's here now leave and uh, stay here and watch the rest of the show. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the, cool thing is, the cool thing is too, is the interaction. So, you know. And that is a fun element of being able to do not only the live show, but doing on a, a streaming platform like we've got, because then the audience from, for our show, we've got Facebook and, and YouTube that can comment at the same time. I know yeah. for yours, you've branched out to Twitch now too. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. So it, it creates a nice broad area for people to find you. Now, do you have any of your shows um, over just to audio only for podcasting? I used to do that at the, the beginning of, of the first two years or so I used to do that. And then, I mean, cause I do so many shows it's, I, I don't know which ones would be audio, you know, interesting, you know, and, in, in audio format. So I, I just figure it's better if I was to do that, I would probably have to do them all. And I'm not sure that that's something I want to venture into. I mean, it's not that hard to put up an audio file and, and all that. But, but I do think a lot of people already, especially when they're on YouTube, do it as an audio file, right? They don't, you know, I I think I give you the visual element, but typically a lot of people are just listening. And I know that when I'm watching this show from time to time, that's what I'm doing. I'm just listening because I'm usually at work or doing something else. And so... I'm listening to the conversation and then I'll jump in the chat if I feel like they're coming to say, but you know, I think for the most part, people already do that. So, I mean, if I was to do something like that, I would want to give extra content or something to that effect to make it worthwhile to, to actually have the audio version of it because you already have the, like I said, you just, you already have the audio version you just have to, you know, just let it play and you can just listen, you know? Jay is our, our master of audio over here. He usually takes our shows and downloads the audio and uploads it to our, our Podbean account. But the, the reason we continue doing both is I think the portability aspect of it. You know, mm. people do watch YouTube on their television or on their computer and they do kind of have it on in the background. But with with the uh, the podcast version, I think they can kind of take it with them either um easier on their phone or another device that they listen on. So adding that extra element gives us, well, what did Jay do here? Here's another one. Hi, Jay. <laughs> adding that extra element just kind of gives us another way for people to easily find and, and listen to us. Yeah, I've, I've, I've put out polls before and asked people if they're interested and then they tell me they are. And then I put it, I did it 
I did it when some when they did that one time and nobody nobody downloaded it or anything. So I was like, if you're not going, if you're telling me you want me to do this and then you're not going to follow through with it, then I'm not going to do it. So it's it's time consuming, you know. So I mean, I would probably do it if a lot of people said, you know, they'd like that. And like I said, I would probably do something where you give it a little bit of extra, but. Well, I mean, and, it's not a realm of possibility for me. So, well, and this this show's been on the air for four or five years, something like that. The the podcast not quite as long, but still quite a long time. And um, I think that on on Podbean, you know, which which is uh, you know what we use, that we've yeah. only got a a couple subscribers, like you know maybe five or six, and that doesn't mean more people aren't out there listening from time to time, but. You know, like when I had the Raven going, it was going for like six months and it had, you know, 50, 50 followers on it. And so I'm like, well, what the hell is the difference? You know, I mean, why are some people subscribing here, but not here? And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a funny little, it's a funny little game. It's, it, I think it's the same. Subscribe versus just watching it. So I think it's maybe the mentality of that. It's like yeah. when you read, not leaving a review. So it's the same, you know, yeah. oh, I, I liked the book, but I never left a review. So mm-hmm. I liked the oh. show, but I never subscribed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I also so think that. One show, one show I do think might translate well to, uh, at least to the audio, is a, a brand new one. I don't know if you want to talk about this one or not. But you recently started something that I think is going to be very interesting for people to follow up on. What is that? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, late night news with Tony now, and uh, I've partnered with somebody, uh, and um, uh, yeah, we're we're doing that the first uh, Friday of every month now, and. Uh, we will see how that goes and it expand beyond that. But uh, I think uh, for now we're pretty comfortable with just the first Friday of the month. And uh, yeah, it's, it's our news segments and we talk strictly about what's going on in the indie world. So um, all the news articles that are fit in there, but uh, I was going to say one thing about the, the audio thing, if I could real quickly though, um, with, with the idea that, you know, uh, me going to Twitch and me going to Facebook. This has been this has been the grand debate amongst all of us for a long time: is which platform is the better one? And but the the thing you find is that there's some people who like Facebook, there's some people who like Twitch, there's some people who like YouTube, and you're just not going to convince them to go somewhere else. So right. I think with the audience, that's the thing that's probably people like know the show is on YouTube and they like the YouTube format, so they don't go to the audio that because they're they're here already on youtube watching it and like i said oftentimes i i know i because i know i'm one of them uh, that i'm just listening i'm not really paying attention to what's on the screen even though that jay usually makes it very entertaining when i do watch uh but uh i i do tend to listen more so i think that's you know why would i go back to uh you know, uh, the audio version when I've already heard it kind of thing, you know what I mean? So. Yep, for sure. And, and for me, I, I, uh, I really don't have good opportunities to watch shows. 
Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're all in the house and I, you know, if we're watching something, we're usually watching something together as a family. I'm usually not just, yeah. you know, on my computer watching videos, but you know, if it's, if it's audio, I can listen to it while, while I'm doing something else, you know, if I'm cooking or if I'm working outside or whatever I'm doing. Uh, so for me, the audio has, is really nice. And I, I do like nice. that. Yeah. Cool. I, don't know, I think the key is getting, getting on that person's list of the shows that they subscribe to. Like, cause when I, when I open up podcasts on my phone, um, I'm I'm never searching for something new because if I'm opening that app, it's because I want to listen to something immediately. So mm -hmm. it's whatever pops up as new episodes from the shows I subscribe to, that's what I'm going to click. So if you can get yourself into that subscribe list, you're going to get played. Get uh, going to get played, but otherwise, it's uh, yeah. it's pretty tough. And we've said before too that you know just like with social media it becomes a full-time job to be as active as possible on all the different platforms you have to be active on in order to have that following grow. So, you know, you, you pick your battles, yeah. where's going to be the most, um, most beneficial for you. Where are you most comfortable? And you focus on that. Yeah, and there's also something to be said for spreading too thin too, you know? So, I mean, if you're doing all of this and you're, you're kind of, you're kind of, you know, skewing your audience spec because they're used to the player that way. And so, like I said, for, if I was to do the audio thing, I think what would be visual for me in that format would be adding extra content that wasn't there in the video, you know, and that's how I would probably get more audio people to, to be a part of it, you know, so, which is, a, which is more work. So more work. Yes. <laughs> There's that word again. <laughs> So going already, forward, I've, I've, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say already I've mystified people of how much work I do. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So going forward with the uh, the news show that that you've started recently, um, are you excited about this venture? Yeah. You said before that this is something that you've wanted to do for quite a while. I am super excited about it. It's it it is absolutely something I've wanted to do for forever, and I just needed the right partner, and I I think I found her, and uh, I I think uh, it's it is amazing. It was it was uh, Katie can tell you I was nervous. I haven't been nervous for a show in a very long time. I was very nervous this on our first episode. Uh, because I just wanted it to go so well, and I think it went pretty well. So I'm pretty happy, and uh, I'm excited to see what we come up with and how we do this from this point forward. There's a lot of things. I mean, people are already contacting me saying, "Hey, can you share this? Can you do this with news and things of that nature?" So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's kind of how I wanted it to go. So that's good. Yeah, it's going to be a good show. And and in that vein, we said tonight was going to be our, our kind of year-end review. I've got a couple of news pieces that I want to share with you guys. And Joe, would you like to help me anchor this newscast? Ooh. Sure. Ooh. <laughs> the involved. All right. We've got four different stories we're going to talk about real quick. The first one is how Simon & Schuster is now up for sale and potentially going to be snapped up by Penguin Random House. 
Now, Joe, you mentioned that first in our newscast in the last episode. What can you tell us about it? Well, so P Penguin Random House um, is paying almost uh, two, two, and, two and a quarter billion dollars to, to make this transfer over. Uh, they kind of got they they they've kind of got ire from 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 obviously the other three publishers and authors guild also is not very in favor of this they've they've actually petitioned congress to step in and make this a, a, a you know a monopoly um they they're afraid that the monopoly yeah. will happen so that the, so that they will um you know that that Congress, you know, something that Congress could do to step in, and, and and so with this merger, Penguin Random House will control seventy percent of the fictional content on the retail marketplace. Uh, so, so Simon and Schuster represents some big heavy hitters like Stephen King, uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, a bunch of people that they've they've over the years acquired and are publishing on a regular basis, and so Random House, uh, you know, Simon and Schuster was is also owned by Viacom. Viacom is the one the entity selling most of their shares, and they wanted to get out of this business because they feel like the business is not a model that they're into. They want to go into the more video, you know, more streaming aspects of what their business model is becoming. So they feel like print is an adequated um, thing that is really uh, coming, you know, coming full circle and not delivering as it should. And so Random House obviously has an interest in bringing, uh, you know, this conglomeration together and, you know, uh, authors guild they have till 2021 uh 2021 is when they're talking about in january of ratifying this deal and so there's going to probably be some lawsuits filed at that point there's going to be some uh there's going to be some blowback and uh, we'll see how random house handles it but for i believe personally on on from my angling it from an indie perspective this is awesome this is the this is the tigers eating their young, you know, and the the, the more that they uh, they fight amongst each other, it, it it only helps us get into the forefront because you know it's like sitting at a poker table and you're you're the guy who doesn't know you're the amateur at the table and the, there's six other pros and and then watch they they would form on you and take you out, you know, like a school of sharks, they would take out the weak link. Uh, but then they start to realize that they want to be the top shark and then they start hunting each other. And then the weak link kind of just swims on by and, and figures out that they can survive by turning them on each other. And so this is, this is what this is, this is what's happening. They're turning on each other because the authors, well, the authors guild represents some indies, they're really about, you know, they're really about how much more their biggest stars can get. And so this is, this has been a concern brought up by like a Stephen King or somebody who matters that, you know, this is going to dilute their, their um, earning potential. So yeah. 
this is something that that uh, is very concerning to the other three because if Random House has seventy percent, why wouldn't you go to Random House if you could? You know, they're going to be a they're going to be a machine. You know, and so I think all of the concern comes from that side of the world, the traditional world, and so I think that that's going to be. Authors Guild's yeah. response seems to to kind of echo your sentiment there because not only are they they calling for this to not happen, one of the things they're saying is that by allowing uh, Simon and Schuster to be to be picked up by by Random House, they are going to reduce the ability for authors to spread their their books out and find better deals. Uh, yep. It's going to reduce the amount of uh, advances, and we already know advances for traditional published or traditional published authors have gone down in recent years. This is going to further reduce the amount of advances that they get. So it it does look like a negative from the traditionally published author standpoint. And how sad is it that they have no loyalty toward the idea that Simon Schuster will become a hundred year old company in less than three years from now? Uh, they've been around since 1924, and the idea that nobody gives a crap about that is just—it's wow. I'm—I was stunned by. Oh, uh, there's just no loyalty. There's—they will—they will burn it down before they let anybody, you know, make more money than them. Mm -hmm. And that's—that's that's been heir apparent for a long time. I mean, they, look what they've tried to do with the ebook market. I mean, they've tried to kill it. Time and time again over the last two years, they refuse to embrace it. They've 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 really tried to price it out and get it out of the way and make you go toward what makes them more money. You know, which is ridiculous because they don't understand the ebook market if they're if that's how they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it, they they are they are stubborn as they are smart. And they are smart and they are great at business sometimes, but sometimes they get in their own way. And I think this is one of those things that's going to get in a lot of people's way and they're not going to know how to handle it. All right. Well, we will follow this story as it comes into 2021 and we'll definitely be doing that on our late night news show next year. Let's move on to the next topic. And this one I know everyone should know a lot about. <laughs> Audible Gate. <laughs> oh, so thanks in part to the wonderful pandemic shutting down a lot of the in-person sales. Ebooks and audiobooks have risen this year. However, Audible, because of their business practices, got caught double dipping and now they're being called out. So far, more than 12,000 authors have signed Authors Guild's petition with more happening. And we're following this as it goes. No new news yet, but they made some very paltry concessions earlier that some authors took as a win, but really didn't do anything for us. And we were told to wait until after the holiday season before any changes were going to take effect on their returns policy, even if those changes really don't mean much. So there's a lot of big hitters playing in this field right now. We've got the Authors Guild. We've got Writers Beware. We've got the Alliance of Independent Authors. There's an an international coalition of author guilds, which is the biggest we've ever seen that are fighting against ACX, Audible, all of it's an Amazon company to hopefully get them to change their distribution to make it more fair and to not double dip into authors and, and rights holders royalties. Cause it's not just the authors. It's also the narrators 
for the authors who are in those those royalty share contracts. Yeah, it's 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 expanding an industry too that um, I've been noticing a lot of people are getting into now, which is doing their own audiobooks, and uh, uh, I think that that's the kind of thing that we were talking about on our show about this is that there's a fear that you know we're going to have twenty to ten all over again when we had the flood of eBooks where where there was this kind of amateurish, uh, you know flood you know because people just figured they could be published authors and they just put it out there without editing it without making a good cover and that will be the interesting thing for me personally is to see how these um uh, self-made ed- audiobooks come out and is there going to be a quality lost with that Good point. Yeah, I think, well, they have, they have quality standards. So, and they're pretty, they're pretty strict. I've gotten, you know, my, my narrators have gotten things back from them that they had to go fix. Uh, But yeah, and I think it's better now than it was in the beginning, because in the beginning, the, the quality was awful in some cases. And no matter how much I fought with Audible, or ACX at the time that, you know, that the audio was delivered to me. I was like, this is not, you know, you're going to let this through. (laughs) (laughs) And they did. (laughs) So so now, now that wouldn't have passed muster. So, but yeah. (laughs) I also think the, the other interesting angle here is what are alternatives going to offer, you know, like the find a way voices and uh, you know, the, bookshop.com and uh, you know bookbub and what are the alternatives going to present are they going to finally look at this as a chink in the armor of amazon and go after them or are they going to just let it simmer and and you know do what they've always done which is not rock the boat you know my my thought is because we have enough voices behind this Amazon is going to be forced to make some concessions. Now, are they going to make all the concessions we want? Probably not. But they're going to be forced to change some of their policies, and that will be seen as a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in the wake of this happening, we should see some of those other companies come up a little bit more and start to refine their practices more so that they can become a bigger player. Yeah. But I don't think anything is going to take down Amazon. They are just too damn big. We just need to find alternatives, though, that that can compete. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of that, you mentioned bookshops. So that brings us to our third story with all of the uh, the bookstores shutting down. Bookshop was born in, I believe it was January of this year. And they are attempting to create a way to give back to the community a little bit by allowing them to create individual online bookshops, which some of the proceeds go back to them as a commission for the sales, um, kind of an affiliate sales model. And they're hoping to uh, to kind of take on Amazon because everyone knows if you're looking for something, where's what's the first thing that comes to mind? Amazon. Oh, I'll just go yeah. find it on Amazon. Well, if they can get people to stop going directly to Amazon for these books and go there, they'll be able to support those indie bookshops uh, as well as get people to look to alternative ways of getting their books instead of just immediately going, I'll just go to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've seen some success too. I mean, they, they've, 
you know, this was this was a this was the story that started our 2020 off, and uh, it was very it was very much wait and see. A lot of the reaction was wait and see, and they've done a pretty good job. Uh, as this uh, graphic shows, there's been an uptick, and they they have they they've done a great PR campaign that I think really helped them at the beginning, and of course, obviously, what has gone on in our world has helped them tremendously. So it'll be interesting to see once we get back to some kind of normal and people are shopping in bookstores again. And right. there's going to be a huge push in 2021 for the independent bookstore and to support your independent bookstore and your local library. We'll see how it affects bookshop and how that moves forward for them. Yeah. And despite the, the closure of most in-store shopping, book sales have not done have not done bad we've actually yeah. done really good uh print has been doing extremely well this year people are, are finding that they love to read print books again <laughs> um not that they ever didn't like them but ebooks kind of became the thing and they kind of overtook the market for a while but print books were doing really really good this year so a lot of people are still buying books i know i've seen it float around facebook uh from a few friends saying, well, do people even read anymore? Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> still buying and reading books. So yeah. while these are not official numbers, we're looking at a 6.4% rise in print book sales this year, which is excellent. Mm -hmm. Ebooks, audiobooks, they're gonna be even better. So people are still reading, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the numbers speak for themselves in that respect, right? So. Exactly. So for, for those who are watching, that's a little taste of what you can expect from our new late night news show, which will be once a month, the first Friday of every month. And uh, I look forward to working with you on that, Joe. Cool. Uh, I appreciate that. Speaking of news, let's talk about 10 years <laughs> of writing <laughs> from our... <laughs> From our host, Jake Taylor. Oh my here. God, that is a crap ton of books. Yeah. Wow. 54. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's a lot of books. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you still have a full time job. How the heck do you manage it? I write fast, I write as fast as I read. <laughs> I don't know. I have to, so I don't kill people. I, don't <laughs> I, I like that. And, and just, oh, that's very true. The catharsis of, of getting your aggression out on killing your characters. Yes. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I did have two releases this week. One I moved up from next week. I got impatient. <laughs> I saw that. Your covers. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Every time I see the covers of, of your books come out, I'm like, oh, these are pieces of art. This isn't just a book. This is a piece of art. I have some phenomenal cover artists. <laughs> the covers that the cover that the covers that you selected for the books that you did with uh, Katie mm -hmm. are really phenomenal. Um, yep, but our, was, our cover artist Julie Nichols, she's fabulous. <laughs> I was super impressed with those. Yep. <laughs> and I'm waiting. I'm, I'm I'm waiting because my next book is done. I'm just waiting for for one more um, beta reader to get back to me. But I have to wait for a cover. 
Wait a second. You you have covers like in backlog just waiting for titles. Yeah, I no no no. I this one I've been waiting for and it's a Jules and Darling cover which they're doing in the beginning of January. So, I will have that and the pre-order will go up as soon as I get that. Okay. And my editor was sweet enough to be able to move me up a month. So, it'll be out now, in February, not March. Did you find a, a new editor? Because I know the editor we worked with um, closed up. Yep. Yeah, that was sad. That was very sad. And I, I and I went back to Faith. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you had to do this to me. <laughs> of Atwater Group. <laughs> She's okay. actually she was she actually lives in Connecticut, so <laughs> where I used to live, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say, so we were unhappy with the edits, you can go knock down her door and say, What do you mean by this? <laughs> yes, yeah, and she worked for Novel Concept Publishing. Um, she she did some early stuff for us there as well. So oh, nice. you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go back to Faith. <laughs> so you know, when you lose your editor, that is the hardest thing. Yep. Lindsay was my editor for years, years. And she did so many books and I was just like so sad, but so happy for her because she, you know, <laughs> she went out and decided, you know, writing is where she wanted to be. And she got a, a job as a librarian. I mean, the perfect job for a writer. Yeah, that is kind of perfect. So, so I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't fault you, but if you ever get back in the business, please look me up. <laughs> but yeah, it's really tough when you, you, when you lose those people that, that you've counted on, you know, and they move on, but you know, it's part of life. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <sighs> Katie, show us that new book. Oh, oh, that's right. I finally, finally got that one in and I had to order a retail copy because my author copies won't be until January, but my brand new write the damn book, excuse me, write and edit the damn book is now available. And apparently if you order it through Amazon, it will get there in time for Christmas. Yep. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> a great gift for your writer friend. <laughs> But yes, this book is chock full of secrets, tips, explanations, advice, you name it. I have packed 10 years of my writing knowledge and writing classes that I've taken and editor experience into this handy dandy book filled with tips, tricks, and uh, quick and dirty secrets on how to overcome the problems that you may have with writing and get the damn book written. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you told us before we went live that you you put everything into that book and that you're even taking a little spritz of your body spray and squirting each one before they go out to customers. Oh, only right? for the signed copies. That's oh. only for the signed copies. All right. that, that's for the authentic feel. <laughs> oh, the author, author does not sound like it would be a good fragrance. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a sweat and blood, right? Yeah. <laughs> tears. Yeah. yeah, mine would be very salty. A lot of tears. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, Joe, do you have anything to promote that's book that's uh, book related, or, or just? I do you? actually. Yeah, yeah. If, if I may. Um. Uh, we are 
starting our year end wrapping up and to part of what we do with that is I uh, collect uh, my own personal uh, top five for Go Indie Now. Um, and uh, tonight on Spilling Ink, I am going to uh, unveil right now um, our number five pick for Book of 2020. So... My number five pick this year is Ed Souder's uh, poetry collection. And he actually released two two additions to this. It's called Mirrors. And this is uh, In Thine Own Heart. This is the volume one of that. And it's a beautifully, it's it's like a love letter to his wife, really. But it is, it is a construction of the male ego and psyche. Uh, and there is such great emotional, I, I love books that connect with you emotionally and give you emotion that you normally don't get to see on the surface or, you know, in a, in, 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 in a public setting. And Ed is so great at expressing himself in this book. It is so beautiful. And, and, and I think anybody who is trying to draw upon how they feel or what they're looking for will really appreciate this book because this this gives you a lot and and also it's just beautiful to 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 see him give homage to somebody that he finds very important in his life and somebody who also is an incredible author in her own right but this is just it's it's so beautifully written it's a very quick read uh, but with most poetry, like I find that it, why I love poetry so much is that you can keep going back to it and referring to it. And there's certain poems on certain times that you just need like a good song. And I think poetry does that for me as well. And so uh, I have referred to this book quite often during this, uh, during, you know, times that I've needed it in my life this year. And so Ed has been there for me with that in that aspect. And I really appreciated that. So uh, he is my number five pick for 2020, and uh, I, I can confirm or deny that there might be somebody who is here right now that might also make my list. We will see who that person is and what book that might be. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, on on next Wednesday, on Christmas Eve, uh, Joe gets twitchy. I'm going to do my season finale, and I'll reveal. Uh, number four, number three pick, not only of, of books, but I will start on the movie side and also my picks for albums of the year as well. So you'll get those all revealed on that show. And then on the sun, the following Sunday on the 27th, we do our year end review where I have uh, I'll have some guests who will also make their picks and we'll, I'll reveal my second and first favorites of the year. And that's when you'll find out who on this panel I'm talking about, because I will go ahead and say they're one of my top choices. Yay! <laughs> well, that's exciting and, and great job, uh, Ed Souder. Um, I actually, poetry is um, is something that not everyone enjoys. Um, yeah. I really do enjoy reading well-written poetry. 
and, and this is very this is very prosy so it's it 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 flows very very well it's yeah. not it's not a gimmicky poetry it's not a it's not a hey let's rhyme every other word poem kind mm -hmm. of thing he, it's just him spilling his guts and it's so beautiful when when you get that raw emotion because it because if it's well written you really really feel it and visually it's visually stimulating and i think that's pretty amazing uh, that's right. an accomplishment. That's awesome. yeah I, I need to go read this now yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> for sure um and if you if you're in the mood for um for more raw emotion anyone out there who's listening about poetry um it's i believe it's donald hall uh, he was a MSU professor or something like that, but uh, he wrote a he wrote a book called uh, Without um, about his his wife's last year of life, and um, awesome. it is gut wrenchingly beautiful. I'm just absolutely astounding though. So if you're if you want some more feels, if you're into that kind of thing, that'd be another good one to to read after you Definitely read. Definitely checking that. that out. I'm gonna go get that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good stuff. So. Well, I think we're at the end of our show, Katie. Did, didn't yeah. you have some business to attend to here? We yeah. we do need to to pay homage, of course, to the always amazing, our second sponsor, Miss Rebecca Dirty Jonesy, and you will be entertained. And she does a live reading every Thursday on her Facebook page, and you really want to sit in on these. You really want to sit in on these readings because. She's not only a fabulous author, she's also a fabulous reader. So she really brings some life to the story. So you definitely, definitely want to check her out. And, and, and I cool. actually made it, I made it this week to the live reading. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always late to those or I watch them after the fact. I made it this week. <laughs> it's very cool to be reading a book while she's narrating it too, because that's, she's narrating Moss and Clay right now. And I'm reading that as, as, as she's going. So I'm kind of, it's kind of cool because I'm a terrible reader, so I can read a couple chapters ahead, knowing that she's going to do her narration on those chapters, and then I get a good idea of what I've just absorbed. So, uh, which is always my problem because I get caught up in things, and I'll have to go back and read them, reread them. So that's why I'm a, such a slow reader. But getting that right from the author and and having her listening to how she enunciates or you know shows inflection here or there, I kind of that kind of gives me something that I do, uh, you know, that I need when I'm reading. And so Katie does that very well on her Sunday show as well. So. <laughs> no, we have a, we have a game count how many times I trip over my tongue while I'm reading <laughs> <laughs> because that's just what I do. Yeah. You, you know how many takes it took us or took me. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun though our joint reading was good i really had fun with that one of, one of these one of these days I'll, I'll release when i do an intro to a show i'll release the amount of uh, every single take that i do to, to do the intro because uh that's a show in itself and i i do i do quite a lot of takes so and sure. you'll hear it's just fair warning. You'll hear a lot of f's, f bombs, and and shit. <laughs> you know. the, the last the last uh, reading I did, and, it, and it's been a little while. I actually recorded it out in the woods, um, which I thought was fitting because because it was a story that took place in the woods. Um, and by the time I got out there, and it was so far from the car that I had to go to the bathroom so freaking bad <laughs> the whole time. 
and it's like this is going to be one take this is going to be one take motherfucker and then I'm out of here. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, thank you for the happy birthday aj i appreciate that happy Joe, just don't don't release the uh the marketing stuff that i sent you or not the marketing the publishing stuff that i sent you because i tried to do everything no, in one day. i will i will not ever release <laughs> anybody else's flubs it'll only be me <laughs> I, I, there's so many times where i'm like joe please cut this don't forget to cut this show and then i just keep reading <laughs> I would never do that to somebody. I would only do my own. Unless they ask me to do it, then, you know, I might. Because, yeah, I think those are always fun shows. The blooper show always yes. gets the most views. So. Absolutely. It, those are worth it. I mean, those, even if you do put in some of mine, I would still probably crack up laughing. I love, <laughs> I love watching blooper shows. Yeah. Well, on that all right. <laughs> I think we're done. So, again, happy birthday, Joe, the Godfather, the man who brings most all of us together in this indie community. We hope that 2021 will be an excellent year for you. Yes. And that it. does it for me. Spilling Ink for the year. We are on our last show of 2020. We will be back in 2021 with more authors and uh, more publishing professionals to introduce you guys to. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.